my, my, I thought it was about, you can be seated. I, I thought it was about to scoot out from under us there just a minute ago. And, and that would have been fine with me, wouldn't it, you? Just to let the Lord take over and do what he wants done. And it's all, I think it's already broke out, brother. Maybe broken, I don't know, broke, broken. <laughs> it's been let loose. <laughs> what an exciting thing to be with you today. Isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord like we sense here? I'll I tell you what, I just hate to say this right off the bat, but I've already received more than I'm going to be able to give. <laughs> I think that. I've been blessed by getting to be here. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting me to come, especially on a Sunday morning, because I know that's key for time for the pastor to speak to the people and his people. So thank you for sharing your pulpit and your time and your life with uh, me. Uh, and I'm just excited about what God's doing in this place. This is a, you have a beautiful facility, really. And I'm just congratulating you on that. Thank you for 16 plus years of faithful service. Amen. We'll recognize that. That's great. Consistency, and I'm telling you, you you've got a you've got a winner here, and you need to appreciate winners. <laughs> and I know I can sense that you do. He and his wife and his family, and I appreciate him and his cooperation. Thank you for connecting with the general council and the Arkansas district council of the Assemblies of God. Uh, I understand we're not the only thing going. I got that. We're not the only knife in the drawer. I, but I do believe we're the sharpest. I, do, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not that dumb. If I didn't think we was the sharpest, I'd be getting with whoever was. But I can promise you one thing, even with all of the shortcomings that we have as a movement, that the moment you connect with an Assemblies of God or associate with an Assembly of God church, you go global with the gospel like no other entity can. And isn't that, our, isn't that really the heart of our Lord? And I appreciate your emphasis on missions, not just the outreach of here in Heber and Clibborn County and surrounds, but the, that, that you've helped us with other churches. And thank you, Pastor, for that. I just, you know, you're a bright spot in my life. And this is not just a mutual adm admiration moment. I, I mean this. I don't lie in the pulpit. Oh, my man. Now, if I get off over here, I mean, and <laughs> I might get to speaking evangelistically. I don't know, but <laughs> I do love your pastor and his spirit and his family. And now they're getting flung all over the world, and I hate that for you. Uh, but I'm supposed to be preaching. So let's look at the book of John this morning, Gospel of John, chapter 12. I want to read verses 18 through 23. I'll be reading from the King James Version, not because I think it's the one the Apostle Paul used, but, but uh, because my wife got me this Bible for Christmas. Uh, but the main thing is it's large print. If you don't get that, hang on, honey, you'll get there. Just, just, just get there. So, so in, in verse 18, he says, For this cause the people also met him. For that they heard that he had done this great miracle. So the backdrop here, the backstory is that Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. That's pretty big. Amen. Uh, I don't know. I don't think just exactly like Jesus 
did for sure, but I can imagine, and sometimes I play like, y'all know how to play like? That's Arkansas for imagine. Actually, Arkansas for imagine is plaque, but uh, I, I got to thinking one day, Jesus, you know, he, he raised that widow of names, son. He was probably young, and the folks thought, well, he wasn't really dead. He just kind of passed out, you know, and then Jairus's daughter, she was a young and also 12, I think, and ah, she was just comatose. So Jesus, I kind of think, so, said, I'm going to wait four days. <laughs> They'll know this dude plumb dead when I raise him from the dead. May not have nothing to do with it. I don't know. But anyway, it sounds good. Verse 19, the Pharisees got all shook up about it. And I really don't have any heart, heartburn about the Pharisees having heartburn. Because <laughs> they got all upset and said, we're not going to be able to stop this. Look what's going on. But where I really want to focus, some Greeks came. They were there for the festive worship of the Jewish holidays. And they came to Philip and desired saying, and here's what I want you to zero in on this morning, that I feel the Holy Spirit would have us really focus. Sirs, we would see Jesus. And I hope that you this morning have already seen with the power of the Holy Spirit a magnified Lord. But I pray that you'll begin to pitch your mental tent toward the altar this morning for a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. That he becomes bigger than anything in your life or anyone. And Philip came and told Andrew and they told Jesus. And it, and it looked like to me, Pastor, when I first read this as a young preacher, that Jesus was about half rude here. Because it's, it's, it, it sounds kind of like at, at first blush a disconnect. You know, if we're, if, if he was in our culture, you know, you would expect him to say, well, I got 15 minutes, I'll meet you over there under, by that fig tree. But what he says really is something totally different. <laughs> what he says is, <laughs> the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. That's a shocker because if you know the Scripture much, you know almost all of his miraculous events, he shushed them up. He would say, don't, don't, don't tell anybody, right? Which means to me he was really the son of God because he would have really wanted the mass media out there if he hadn't been. Remember when he, he was talking to his mother and his mother wanted him to change that water to wine and he said, my hour has not yet come. Sometime, Pastor, I wish he hadn't have done that miracle. <laughs> when I have to deal with some of these sipping saints, you know, as I say, Love the way y'all are shouting out there on Radio Land. <laughs> you know what I tell them? I tell them, you just, get you, a, you just get you a glass and you go to your faucet at your house and you fill that little glass up with water and if by the time you get to the table it's turned into wine, you drink her down, Bubba. It'll be all right with me. <laughs> but all, the, all of his life he was saying, don't, my hour is not yet come. He's in his own hometown, and they're about to kill him, and poof, he's gone. <laughs> My hour has not yet come. But in Arkansas language, I believe what he was saying right here to Philip and Andrew is that you can tell those Greeks <laughs> that are they in luck because heretofore you have never been able to see me like you're about to see me in a revealed glory, and a voice came shortly after that in those verses. And so what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying 
that in the backdrop of Christianity today, in a culture that is very antagonistic and even, and of course, I was born and raised in Arkansas. Somebody asked me if I lived all my life in Arkansas, and I said, well, I'm kind of like that old-timer sitting on the porch. Young whippersnapper came by and looked up at him and said, old-timer, you lived in these parts all your life. And he said, well, not yet. <laughs> Marinate on it. <laughs> but all the life that I have lived, I've been in AAA. I, you got all the A's in your family, but I've been AAA. I've been Arkansan, I've been American, and I've been simile God. <laughs> Matter of fact, it was simile of God nine months before I discovered America down here in White County. But I can tell you that, that of all of the things that I am excited about, I am excited to, to know that we in a world that is almost hostile to Christianity, I never thought I would see our government be as antagonistic, almost hostile toward Christianity. In a day where there is onslaught and attack from every angle, can I tell you this may sound overly simplistic, it probably will to some of you, but I can tell you I don't know of anything we need more as the church world and as personal Christian living than to have one more time the Holy Spirit make Jesus bigger in our sight and in our lives and in our eyes and see Jesus like we've never seen him before. Because if you get your eyes on anything else or anyone else, guess what? You're in for an upset and a letdown. But if you get an eye full of Jesus this morning, I said, if you get an eye full of Jesus this morning, you can go out of here a conqueror and more than a conqueror. Do you buy that? And I want to just give you a couple of instances. And I, the first one I want to give, and I had no idea that your Sunday school teacher, or at least in this class, would steal all my thunder. So I guess I could skip point one and just say you get the tape and listen to that. But I want to point you to Joshua because I think we need today, or I do, to see Jesus more than ever before when we face challenges that we just can't seem to conquer. And I give you Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, and I won't read those, but just let me tell you, Joshua, as you so clearly articulated, dear brother, faced a challenge that he knew good and well he could not conquer alone. Now, I don't really know, and I've read some of the same, you know, I, I'm not a, all that much of a historian, but I can Google. And so you can figure out, how you can, you can do this yourself and see how high and tall and wide that wall really was. I don't know. They said it could have chariot races on it. The bottom line of all bottom lines, it doesn't matter if it was a six-foot picket fence. <laughs> this was a challenge that Joshua knew by himself he could not conquer. I mean, he was leading a bunch of folks that had never conquered an army of cockroaches. I mean, they, they, were, not, they, were, they were not really an army. And so he faced something that he knew by himself he could not overcome. I don't know about you, but every morning when I wake up with the responsibilities I have, I know good and well I'm facing something today that by myself I cannot handle. But I like what he said to Joshua. You know, Joshua was a military man, and he knew there ain't no way I can make that wall fall, and we can't just bypass this city, as you pointed out. So I think he's out here. He's a military man reconnoitering, and he's going back and forth. Lord, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, most theologians teach us that this was a pre-incarnate vision or representation of Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't have, he, he, he didn't have a physical anatomy. 
but, but this was the Lord Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. And all of a sudden, he, he's right in front of Joshua, and Joshua, whoop, did you come to take our side? I mean, you know, or did you come to take their side? I mean, here's a military man, and the testosterone's rising up. Hello. <laughs> I like what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. <laughs> and I like that, don't you? Because what I really want to emphasize here, honestly, is just that one verse in Joshua 6, 12, where he says to Joshua, Joshua, what are you seeing? See, Joshua, see, I have already given this Jericho into thine hands. Now, this is not pop psych too. This is biblically based. The you you see is the you you will be. And you can see the you that your old tapes tell you or your peers or your superiors tell you or the adversity and antagonism of our world tells you you are. But what the Lord wants you today to do is get such an eye full of him and your eyes and heart so full of him that it doesn't matter what the devil brings against you. You see yourself as a conqueror right now. I get so tired, and you sang it so articulately and wonderful today. I get so tired of these people that, oh, if I could just pedal my little religious tricycle fast enough, maybe one of these days I'll get up to an itty-bitty, teeny-weeny victory. <laughs> I'm tired now, not tired, tired. Amen. I got news for you. You've already got the victory in Jesus Christ. You believe that? Because he said in him we are more than conquerors. These days, I'd just be real proud to be a conqueror. <laughs> but I really like it that we can be more than conquerors. Now, some of you are sitting there trying to figure out whether you like me or not, and you're going to waste the whole sermon. If, you, if you're waiting for it to get any better, I'm doing the best I can right now. So you might as well get in here. Hello? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I got to thinking the other day, somebody said, what is more than a conqueror? And I said, well, I'm not too sure. But somebody said it was kind of like Muhammad Ali, the first uh, a professional boxer that won a a million-dollar purse for boxing. <laughs> I got to thinking, I, I probably would let somebody knock me out for a million dollars. <laughs> Be my luck, it'd kill me, though. I don't know. <laughs> but they said he got the check and took it home. Mrs. Ali got the check and cashed it and spent it all. He was a conqueror. She was more than a conqueror. I don't know about you, but I believe Jesus conquered the devil totally and thoroughly and completely on the cross of Calvary. And on the day of Pentecost, he turned around and gave us a high five and said, everything that I won is now yours by the power of the Spirit. Do you realize that? Will you claim that today? Because the devil is, doesn't ever play fair. I mean, and all of us face that may be, will I ever get to where I have as much money as, as, as I need for the month? And if you don't face that problem, you're very blessed. Because there are a lot of people in this state that that is a problem. Will that kid ever turn around? I've prayed and prayed till I'm blue in the face. Amen. And the doctor says, we can't cure your problem, or in some cases, we can't even figure out what your problem is. Amen? <laughs> well, 
sometimes it's, will I ever get over this chronic depression? I don't care what the devil has conceived and concocted to bring against you today. That if you can get your eyes on Jesus, you will not have to walk that road alone. Because you have a friend that has already sees you as conqueror and more than a conqueror. Jehoshaphat said in 2 Chronicles, O our Lord, we have no might against this great company that cometh up against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on you. Can I tell you today that he is not only the author of your faith, but he is the finisher of your faith. And if you'll hold on to him, can I tell you the devil can't win and you can't lose if you just won't quit. Do you buy that? Then I ask the Lord to help you see Jesus when you face challenges that you just can't seem to conquer. But also, when we face changes that we just can't seem to control. And I give you Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 because Isaiah was living in a world that is somewhat similar to ours nationally and the constraints that... Uh, even our own I never thought I'd see the day that our own government would put some of this stuff on us as Christians uh, and the mass media. You know, I was thinking the other day, it's no wonder some people don't want Jesus because the only Jesus they see is the one the media presents. And quite candidly, he ain't nothing like the Jesus I know, really. It's because I know that if you can ever really see Jesus for who he is, you'll accept him. <laughs> I did. <laughs> And I know I'm not the brightest apple that ever fell off the tree, but I'm not stupid either. When I saw who Jesus really was, I chose him. So we need to let Jesus shine through our lives. Amen. That's a good place to say amen if somebody missed it, so I'll give you another chance. Amen. Yes. When we face changes, because Isaiah had had a real bummer of a day because the, the political party that was bankrolling his revival... <laughs> Ooh, it got cold in here when I said political party. But the king who had been funding the revival, literally, and I don't have time to explain all that, that dude had the audacity to up and down him. And so Isaiah thinks, well, the one that's been making sure the church is a success, the exterior forces that we've been counting on to boost us along, all of a sudden the rug is jerked out from under us and we're in the middle of a great crisis of change and I don't know what to do. And in that moment, I'm glad to report to you that Isaiah had enough sense to go to the house of God and in a world that was changing and swirling around him so fast, he said, I'm going to keep my faith. I'm going to keep in the church. I'm going to go to the house of God. And he said, in the year that King Uzziah I died and my world turned upside down. I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. That's what we need to do today because we face a world of change like you were talking about. It's things that, things that used to, uh, y'all know what G-Hall means? Some of you, you know, some places I have to have an interpreter for my sermons. It's uh, an interrupter. <laughs> because of some of the country phrases I use, but I got to thinking the other day, it's, this, this, it is such a rapid, radical world of change. It makes it hard for an old geezer like me to preach. Really, the words don't even mean the same. I, 
because I was preaching to a room full of young people here a while back, and I used a word that when I was a kid was a good old word. But when they sucked all the oxygen out of the room, I knew, <laughs> I ain't no, <laughs> hello, that ain't good no more. <laughs> and all I said was hook up. I mean, I mean, let me tell you, honey child, hook up don't mean exactly today what you, they explained it to me, and I didn't even need any stick figure drawings to figure out what they were talking about. I said, Hello? Because, because, honestly, because back when I was young, see, you're not even supposed to say that anymore. Back when I was young. Did you ever hear that? Some young people probably never did, but when I, I heard it all my life. I thought it was in the Bible for years. Back when I was young, had to walk 10 miles of school, uphill both ways. Through 30 feet of snow in May, barefoot. So poor when we got there, all we had for lunch was a hammer and two hickory nuts. It was bad, I'm telling you. <laughs> hickory nuts for you sophisticated friend. But anyway, so I mean anymore the terminology. <laughs> because back when I was young, hookup was what we did old Molly to the wagon on old black bear. <laughs> and download was when we took the stove wood off the wagon and log on was when we put it on the fire. And microchips was them little bitty chips at the bottom of the bag of potato chips if you had enough money to buy any. And, Right? So you say saying you're being awful humorous, but it's a serious challenge. Because things are changing so rapidly that, are you listening to me? That if we're not careful, we will pro fall prey to the devil's strategy to keep us so shook up about the things that are coming upon us that are radical and rapid and relentless change that we seem not to be able in any way to control. And he says, I don't want my people living like that. The world lives, their hearts failing them for fear of things coming upon them. Because hear me, child of God, this world needs to see a bunch of Christians who don't run scared and knows that their Lord is a Lord who will never, ever change on them. And we have a constant, consistent friend. Give God an applause if you believe that today. Then in a world that you can't control the change, I'm glad you have a Savior who has said, I will never, ever change on you. <laughs> Malachi 3 and 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, are ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. <laughs> beat up, yeah, beat up, yeah, beat back, yeah, beat down, yeah, but consumed not on your life. I said not on your life because my Lord will never change on me. Hebrews 13 and 8 says he's the same yesterday. Say it, yesterday. Do you believe that? Is that preacher poppycock or do you really have that down in your heart? He will never, never let you down. He will never change on you. Hello. I'm going to just plow right here a little bit because people will let you down. How many of you know the Assemblies of God is not perfect? How many of you goes our preachers are not perfect? Our parishioners are not perfect. I get so weary, Pastor. These people say, well, I got hurt <laughs> in church. Not hurt. Hurt. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm feeling a little resistance here, so I'm gonna, I, I, just, I just had a mean streak hit me. <laughs> when I get home tonight, or whenever I do get home, <laughs> when I get home tonight, 
If I walk in there in the, bath, in the bedroom and in, in the closet and I get out my suitcase and I get my other two suits and jerk them in the dryer and Judy, my wife, legal, I got papers on her, <laughs> registered down to the courthouse. She looks up at me. She says, Larry, what in the world is wrong with you? And I said, I'm leaving you. <laughs> you know, curl up your lip. I've seen them do it on TV. That's how they do it on TV. You see? <laughs> now, let me put this disclaimer here. I've never been treated any nicer than I have right here today. But when I look at Judy and I say, I'm leaving you because Pastor Lee was not cordial to me at all at the church today. As a matter of fact, he didn't even shake my hand till I left. So I'm leaving you. Now, I put the disclaimer out there because he's been more than gracious. I'm trying to prove a point that if I was to leave Judy because of what I think this pastor did or didn't do to me, how many of you know that's dumb, dumb, double, dirty, dipstick, dumb? Don't make any sense. Hello? And I see people walk out of the church. It'll be a cold day in August before I come. What in the world are you going to quit the church for or Jesus for because some supposedly knucklehead Christian didn't do to you what they thought, what you think they should have? I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to get your eyes above all these people and get your eyes on Jesus because he will never, ever let you down. Do you buy that? Well, give him a praise this morning. <laughs> He said, I am self-existent, and I am self-revealing, and I am self-expressing, and I don't need no help being God. I can be God all by myself. Ooh, I'm about to preach myself happy. I wish you'd get happy because we already got your money, and we ain't giving any of it back, so you might as well get your money's worth here this morning. Amen? <laughs> I don't think y'all do refunds, do you? <laughs> okay. If you do, I need to talk to you about that. <laughs> How many of you have been enjoying the Lord this morning? Amen. <laughs> I got to tell you, he had no beginning, but he began everything that had a beginning. He had no creator, but he was a creator of everything that was created. He had no point of origination, but he originated everything that had an origination. <laughs> he had no cradle, and he'll have no tomb. He forever is I am. He'll ne he never had any morning, and he'll never have any evening. He's forever high noon. He'll never get any younger, and he'll never get any older. He's always the right now God. He was right now 15 trillion years ago, and right now is right now with him, and 15 trillion years from now will be right now with him and he will never be shocked or awed by what the devil can conceive. He's always ahead of the devil. Somebody shout with me. He's an eternal God that will never change on you. <laughs> he can't change because he's am. And when you am am, you can't be am, you have to am am. <laughs> you can't was am or going to be am, you just am. <laughs> I'm about to get myself confused but I'm just telling you, there ain't no verb tense that gets it right, right? Because you can't teach him anything because he already knows everything. And he won't forget anything unless you put it under the blood. This ain't in my sermon, but I'm feeling it. I'm glad we serve a changeless Christ. That if you will put your trust in him and keep your eyes on him, not only will you be able to maintain victory, but you will be exemplary to a world that is running scared right now. They need to see confidence in a child of God. Amen? I mean, I don't know about tomorrow, 
I don't know what tough stuff's going to happen, but I know this. My, I'm a child of the king. Are you a child of the king? Are, are you really? Then your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and as one preacher said, and the taters under the hill, <laughs> and my God shall supply. Boy, this is a good church, brother. About to, about to make me hurt myself here. <laughs> it's a wonderful church. <laughs> Amen. You, you, you guys, I'm preaching a lot more, and I'm, I'm telling you more than I know. <laughs> but aren't you glad we serve a changeless Christ? And when we face changes that we just can't control. And that isn't just global, uh, what's Venezuela going to do, what's Iraq going to do, what's North Korea I mean, it can be an email you get. It can be a trip to the doctor. It can be a phone call you get. It can be a text message you get. I mean, you know, we don't have to run scared. I mean, you know, Jesus will never, ever let you down. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to know that. Because somebody you really had confidence in has let you down. Well, Jesus will not let you down. Thirdly, I think we need to have our focus fixed on Jesus not only when we face challenges that we can't conquer and changes that we can't control, but also when we face character concerns that we can't seem to correct. Don't know about you, but I like the Apostle Peter because I can identify with that dude. <laughs> now, Paul, he's another guy. I mean, he can write sentences that last for three paragraphs, and he dangles his modifier and splits his infinity, and I don't know what all he's saying. But now me and Pete, we got our own thing going. Hello? <laughs> because he and I have some character concerns. Some of you have wrinkled your little fender because you, you're... But I'm just telling you, friend, all of us ain't there yet. <laughs> Don't look at me in that tone of voice, you hypocrite. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Pastor, I got the salvation thing down pretty good. I mean, I know I'm saved. Hello? Now, I don't believe in automatic and unequivocal and irrevocable and instantaneous and complete eternal security. <laughs> but I ain't running scared of my salvation either. Hello? I'm not saved, saved, or saved. Just... He's not paying me out, and I hope he gets it all paid before a dark Saturday. I said he finished it at the cross. Hello? But I do have some problems sometimes with this sanctification thing. And if somebody tells you they don't have a problem with that sanctification thing, they'll lie to you about something else too. Amen? Amen? Hey, I'm as plain vanilla. What you see is what you get, honey, and I'm working on it. But I liked what that thing he said he's going to present me faultless. Wasn't that in one of those songs we sang? Did y'all pay attention to what you were singing? <laughs> Amen. Faultless. He's going to present me faultless. I ain't there yet. Pardon me. I am not there yet. <laughs> I was having one of those. I was having one of those days the other day. I drive from Russellville a little. This probably won't interest you at all, but here we go anyway. I'm doing the preaching. 
You said you was doing the teaching, so you taught me wrong, brother. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I try to get with the Lord even before I get out of bed because then I'd had my Bible time and I'd had my tape time and I'd had my Gaither time and I'd had, I mean, I was ready to run through a tree pulling over the wall and bring me a big devil. I want to cold cock him. Man, I was going lickety split. Y'all know what lickety split means? I was going down the road and I think it was going great until I stopped at Walmart. And I don't know why those poor people couldn't read or they couldn't count because it plainly said 20 items or less. Hello, could I get a witness? Now, I didn't say anything that they could hear. <laughs> but when I got in the car, the Holy Ghost said, you ain't near as sanctified as you think you are. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> we Back when I was young, now I've said it twice in one sermon. <laughs> I feel good about it. Back when I was young, <laughs> we had revivals that lasted two weeks. They announced them for two weeks. And my family didn't plan which nights we were going to miss. When they announced it, that was a cheap shot, wasn't it? <laughs> but I was the evangelist's favorite person. Because Sunday night, I came to the altar. And I said, God, I'll never do that again. And then Monday night, I was the first sucker hit the altar. God, I'll never, never do that again. Wednesday night was repite. <laughs> I'll never, 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 hello, <laughs> aren't you glad that we serve a Lord that if you can keep your eyes on him, you can be used in the kingdom of God even though you know you're not exactly where you even want to be yet. Because Peter was one of those kind of guys, right? I mean, if you want a mentor that's a real good quitter, you should follow Peter. He is a first-class quitter. Amen. <laughs> Really? How many of you know he was kind of big in the New Testament? Right? I'm not bashing anybody. Matter of fact, I'm tired of people bashing folks. But, you know, our Catholic friends believe he was the first pope. You know, I have a problem with that because he was married. Or at least he had a mother-in-law. And anybody that have a mother-in-law not be married got real problems. I can tell you that. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> But how many of you know this guy was something else? How many of you believe God used Peter? But here's a guy that says to Jesus, man, I'll never quit you. I mean, I'm going to bet all these other local yokels, they'll quit you, but not me. I'm going to grab a bone and growl for you, Jesus. And then he had a mad cussing fit because a little Sunday school girl said, oh, you one of them Christians, aren't you? Are y'all tracking with me <laughs> Somebody said, well, he got all fixed up, though, when he got the Holy Ghost. How many of you know even after you get the Holy Ghost, you can have some character concern? I found out a long time ago, everybody speaks in tongues ain't necessarily sweet. <laughs> Think on it. <laughs> if you ain't met him yet, hang around. <laughs> Remember, Pete, he was going down there to where they was having a big revival. <laughs> And he was just having a big time with all them Gentiles and eating pulled pork with them and everything. I mean, you know, he's, <laughs> until the big shots came down from Springfield, uh, from Jerusalem. <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, they're second-class citizens. <laughs> we the big shots. 
Could I disabuse your mind and tell you there are no big shots in the kingdom of God, that everybody is somebody in his body? <laughs> and I like what Paul said. He said, Paul, but Pete, you can't be doing this. You can't, you, uh, and it's too late. We smell pork on your breath. We know you got, hello. <laughs> are y'all with me? But I'm going to tell you that this guy, even with shortcomings, was mightily used of God in the middle of his mess. I get so tired of the devil playing hoodoo on the children of God because they say, well, I would do something in the church. I would step up and do something, but I know what I did. And Uncle John sitting out there in the church, and he knows what I did three years, eight months, two weeks, five hours and 62 seconds ago. So I'm going to stay hunkered in the bunker and not do anything for God. But I'm going to tell you that the Lord wants you to keep your eyes on him. And in the middle of your mess, you can be used mightily of God and I challenge you to do so. Should we continue to strive for perfection and sanctification? Yes. But honey, child of God has to wait until we get perfect to do anything through us. He's going to have a real short list of people who can work for. Uh, I got to hurry. I can see some of y'all are moving to the conclusion and so I <laughs> I, was, I was preaching at one place, Pastor, and I said, how long can I preach? And they said, you can preach as long as you want to, but we leave at noon. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> I, I, I heard a story. I can't remember where I heard it now because I do try to give credit. Uh, they say that if you steal one person's intellectual materialist plagiarism, if you steal it from several folks, it's called research. So I got this one from research, I guess, but they was telling a story of back in the days of, of uh, when they called them horseless carriages, the first cars, this guy got in the car and he was driving along this gravel road and it quit on him, so he went over the side of the road. He didn't know what to do. His car pulled up behind him, so the story goes, in a fine, state-of-the-art, top of the line, and this guy gets out and decked out in a suit, walks by and says, sir, I see you have car trouble. Do you mind if I try to help? He said, do something. Anything you can do would be better than what I can do. So he went in there and popped the hood and tinkered with it a little bit and said, hit the starter. Started right up. So when he walked back, back by, this guy couldn't. He got out and he said, sir, I just got to know. On a hot August day, why would you? You obviously are very well to do. Why would you want to stop and help me? He said, well, my name is Henry Ford. And I created that car. And I just can't stand to see one of my creations uh, sitting on the sideline uh, not doing what I created it to do. And can I tell you, the Holy Ghost wants to zap you this morning until your eyes are so full of Jesus that you know he don't want you sitting on the sidelines. How many of you believe that? What would happen if everybody in this church did, did what God wanted them to do? Can I go one more point? Some, and, and I'll try to hurry. I said I'll try to hurry. I'm going to fold these up and put them over here. It don't mean I'm going to quit, but it will give you a psychological boost that there is an end to this thing. <laughs> How <laughs> Y'all are great. You are great. I see why you stayed here, brother. <laughs> I may just go back down there and resign, come up here and help you. That's all. <laughs> so you wonder how in the world, Peter, how could you stay with it, man? I think if you'll look in 1 Peter, he says, Every day when I quit, 
That night when I'd lay down, all of a sudden I was back on the Mount of Transfiguration again. And I just couldn't get the vision of Jesus out of my mind. Oh, that's so good. I pray that happens to you. One last guy, and that's John, the beloved. And we need to see Jesus when we face circumstances that we just cannot comprehend. It just don't make sense. How many of you know some awfully, horribly bad things happen to some powerfully good people? Things that just make no sense whatsoever. I mean, I've dotted the I's, I've crossed the T's, I've done what I'm supposed to do, paid my tithes, showed up for church, and somehow it's just, if it could go wrong, it, it has gone wrong. Well, I got a feeling that John had that kind of feeling because he's out here on this Isle of Patmos, and the only thing he's really done wrong is preach the gospel. That may get us again someday, I don't know. But I got an idea that John could have, if he's like me, or let me say if I'm like him, he could have been having himself one good pity party. I'm going to tell you, there can't nobody have a pity party like a Pentecostal preacher. You need to be careful how fast you say that, I can tell you. <laughs> here he is out here on this island. Are you all tracking with me? <laughs> Wait a minute, Jesus. What's up with this? I'm out here all by myself. They probably don't even know I'm out here. More than that, they probably don't even care whether I'm out here or not. I mean, Jesus, I was your man. I mean, I was laying on your chest when everybody else was saying, is it I? I didn't have to say, is it I? Because I knew it wasn't I. Amen? I mean, I'm the last disciple to leave your cross, and I'm the first disciple to get to your tomb. I took care of your mama until she died. So what's up with this? Hello? I mean, that young whippersnapper Timothy pastor in First Assembly up there at Ephesus, what's he know? He don't know come here from Sikkim. <laughs> I just bet you, no, he can't bet. I bound you <laughs> that they didn't have my name on the prayer request list this morning at church. <laughs> All they want out of me out there at church is money. Ooh, that wasn't fair either, was it? <laughs> Isn't it funny how the devil will work on you? They don't really care about me out there. I got to believe that in that moment, wait a minute. John, think about that, bud. John said, whoa, whoa, prayer request list. What is today? Oh, today's the Lord's day. I just had a Holy Ghost bump. Mm. <laughs> Today is the Lord's day. So John said, instead of me having my pity party on things because I'm facing consequences I just can't comprehend, I'm going to scoot up close to the Spirit, and I'm going to get in the Spirit. And when he did, the Bible said he heard a voice behind him, and then he said, I turned, and the verbiage changes because you would expect it to say, I turned to hear the voice, but it said, I turned to see the voice. And he said, when I turned, I saw him, one like unto 
of the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, a girt about the paps with a golden girdle, and his head and his hair were white like wool, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like a fine brass burning in the furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters, and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And I went over there and fell down at his feet, and he laid his right hand on me and said, You don't have to be afraid. I was dead, but I'm not dead, and I'm never going to be dead again. And I want you to know that I have the keys of hell and of death. Woo! I know it's quitting time, but I just got one more thing I got to tell you. <laughs> I'm glad my Lord has the keys of hell and of death. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why anybody would serve somebody, somebody that don't even have the keys to their own place. I probably won't ever get invited back, but I'm going to preach on. <laughs> when, back when I was young, my mother had a word she used on me that was frequently reserved for, for dogs, but she wouldn't call me a dog. She would just get my attention. Because when she said it, I knew that the Board of Education was about to be applied to the seat of learning. Because <laughs> when she said, him, you know him? I don't even know how to spell it. But I knew what it meant. Oh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, have mercy on me. I said, him. When Jesus died and went to the lower parts, somebody said, where is that? And I said, I don't know, but it was there. When he went to the lower parts, the Bible says, he, I got it in my mind that the old devil was all shook up. But when Jesus got down there, he looked at the devil and he said, him, <laughs> get right over here. I'm going to put my foot on your head and I'm going to crush your head and I'm going to pluck your keys and I'm going to take your crown. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that the keys of death are in high hands today? So what's up with that, preacher? The key is this, that the greatest revelation John ever received of Jesus came out of circumstances he could not comprehend. Would you stand with me, please? Our musicians come. Lord, just take our hearts today. Holy Spirit, come. There's no way I can make Jesus big enough, the best I can do. But Holy Spirit, in an instant, in an instant, you can make Jesus so large in our lives that we would totally rely upon you and that we would not be dismayed nor greatly afraid nor discouraged to the point of quitting. I pray this morning, Lord, for the vision that has come to this pastor and his wife and that the vision that he, the freshness, the renewing of the vision of all that Jesus is and will become to this town and to this to the surrounds, that today would be a day of demarcation, that we got our eyes so turned upon you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you just right now, and I'm, I'm pleading with you because if we don't.